0: Well, good morning once again. If I missed you earlier, by chance. Uh, my name is Wayne, I'm the pastor here at DCC, and uh, I'm excited to be engaging with you today. This past month, we've been reading through the letter of Colossians, and so we've been looking at this story, and this, and it brings about this incredible life that we have in. Christ. And so today is the final uh, part of that together, and I'm excited to walk through this part with you today. Um, uh, One thing as I begin this, I don't know if you've heard this over the weekend, but um, incredible pastor Tim Keller passed away this weekend, and uh, uh, he's an incredible pastor in Manhattan, been very influential over several decades now, and I know that he has been battling with pancreatic cancer. I don't know if that is the ultimate cause for him, but he's been a profound influence in my life and our church and multiple people within this city, uh, you know, New York City area, and really throughout the world. And God has gifted him with an incredible, just incredible mind and the ability to engage in such a deep way uh, intellectually, um, but not only that, he, he balanced that. He didn't let that go to his head. He just had an incredible love for Jesus and just a unique ability in such a personal way to explain who Jesus is and who, what we call the gospel. And what's fascinating, I was thinking about this over the weekend, is that a lot of today's message is actually very much influenced by him <laughs> and his words to me and to others. So I'm very thankful I had the privilege two years ago to take a class with him. As he was dealing with pancreatic cancer and going through chemotherapy treatment at 71 years old, he was still teaching. And he would have treatments, and the next day, being on a Zoom call with me and others, uh, teaching about what it means to be a pastor. And it blew me away. I was like, man, I am lazy. <laughs> he, was such, he was driven by such, his passion for Christ. And so if I could say one thing about his legacy, what I've observed, is he loved Jesus. He had a genuine relationship with Christ, and that was the foundation for everything with him just an intimate relationship with Christ that he poured into. He loved his wife and his family well. It was said of him that they asked about his legacy, and he said, I, I hope my grandkids remember me. And it was pretty sweet. And so, I'm very thankful for him. Um, but I, I mentioned that today because so much of his words are in today's message, and just his, this understanding of Colossians, and what Paul was trying to convey, and that I, at Keller's death, the announcement of his of his death, they um they they said that he he passed away, trusting in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. And I love those words. I can. We live in a city where we're so skeptical of anything, and we live in a culture where there's where the truth is just constantly evading us. And we're not certain. It says so he passed away trusting in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection. And, and, and why we are here today, why we started DCC eight years ago, was so that you can know for certain that, that God is real, that he exists, he loves you. And for you to know the truth of who Christ is and that you need him and you must give your life to him. It's not. Con- so I pray today that the, the words of this letter, and specifically Colossians 3, will just sink deep into your heart, that you can know that this is true. And, and you may be on the beginning of your journey and, and maybe you have questions and, and faith is a struggle for you. That's okay. I want to encourage you to lean into that and to ask those questions. This is a safe place for you to come and to do that and to keep engaging with us. But if you're a Christ follower, I, I encourage you to, to continue to put your hope in Him. And so in this letter of Colossians. Uh, we started out learning about how this church started, and so the church is such an interesting word, and I mention this all the time, but when, when Jesus mentioned the word church, it was eventually translated to a word that meant, uh, referred to a building, but when Jesus said this word, it actually meant a gathering. The church is a people. It's not an organization. It's not a building. It's an organism. It's a living, breathing people, a gathering that God is building and pursuing, and there is life. And so when we look at the, in the letter of Colossians from who we call Paul, the Apostle Paul, he started many churches after the resurrection of Jesus all throughout the Greco-Roman world. In fact, his letters are so early, it is, it is, it is, it is hard for people trying to disprove who Jesus is in the resurrection. It makes it incredibly hard because of how close to the resurrection we have these, these full written letters of a, of a faith in Christ and his resurrection and the proclamation of that. And we, we see him writing to one of these churches that was started up, this gathering of people. But Paul didn't start this church. Paul started a church in Ephesus, a group, there's a gathering of people that loved Christ. And there's a guy named Ephesus who found, he was traveling to this city. He was from the city of Colossae. And we don't know this story, story in detail, but we, we understand this. But he found Christ. He, he was a part of this Community and he eventually goes back to Colossae and is just sharing his life and sharing about the resurrection of Christ, and people begin to follow Christ, and eventually a gathering begins to develop there in Colossae. And eventually, this word gets back to Paul, and they're like, What? That's amazing! And so Ephraist was someone who knew Paul well. And the church eventually ran into struggles and the problems, and people began to come in and say, no, you, it's not just about Christ. And they began to, to try to, to bring control over them and try to bring in all these other things that they were saying, no, you, it's not that easy. You, you, can't, you can't just believe in Christ to be everything for you. You've got to do all these other things to be okay with God. And they began to run into challenges, and Ephraim goes and visits Paul. And Paul writes this letter to them to encourage them. And the words that we have are incredible, that we see a story. And what we talked about in the first week that I shared about this is that when we engage with Christ, we are engaging in his gathering, his people, this story, there's life. We're not just trying to build a, have a building where people gather and just, you know, just to meet together and just to be about ourselves. We, encourage, we do. We encourage one another. We do gather. And this is, this is important. Like We can come corporately. But you were invited into a story that's continuing. Jesus said, he says, he says, the church, my church, my people, my gathering is how he really said that. I am building my gathering and my people. And the gates of hell will not overcome that. And those words are still coming true today. And he is at work and engaging in your life. And if you allow him... He wants to bring you into this story to use your life for meaning and purpose and eternity. And he wants to do a work in your own life. And so we see this life and this story happening. But then it turns individual. God is doing a work in your own heart. And so there's this this dilemma that we, we run into where we think, you know, there's other forces around us, other people commentary culture that comes in and says no this is what you've got to do to be okay with God even our own hearts don't fully sometimes believe that we're okay with God in Christ our standing with him starts with when we when we accept Christ as our Savior we believe in him at that moment we are we are fully forgiven set free by God and it is your decision to make and, and it is something that we must do we choose God we have walked away from him he pursued us and made a way for us to come back, and we can choose that. And so there's this moment of belief where we're okay. We are fully forgiven in that moment, past, present, and future. And it changes how we interact with God, but that just feels too easy. And so we're like, well, what are other things that we can do to get this in the way? And there are other people and things that come in. So this is what happened to this church, that so people came into the lives and says, No, this you've got to do these rituals, you've got to do all these other things to, to also be okay with God. And Paul stepped in and says, No, that's not what Jesus taught us. That everything is found in Him. Our hope is in Him. That's why we sing these words. All this is for your glory. As Christ followers, we believe that Jesus is our hope. Our identity is, is rooted in. Him. And so we find this, Paul's writing in, in Colossians 3. And this is, uh, this is in the message version, Colossians 3, 3 through 4. It's a paraphrased version of the scripture. And he says, Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, now that we're in Christ, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. And when Christ your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth. You'll show up to the real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. We don't have to fully be known. We don't have to be famous. We don't have all these things. We, we are content in him because we have found real life in him. He is your life. To choose Jesus, is, it really baffles others many times. Jesus chose obscurity. It was not the way that they thought this Savior, this Messiah, was going to come. He came humbly. But we're secure in Him, and it takes the pressure off. We have found the fullness of God. And and, and if you can go back, it's, it's on our website. There's past messages we talk about. Everything that we are trying to fill our lives with and make our identity become... It's ultimately unfilling. It doesn't really, so we have to add on more. We have to pursue more. Everything is in appetite, whether it's sex or food or status, being known or your job or your career or the amount of money that you make or relationships that you have. None of those things are bad. All those things are things that God has given us. Work is good. Relationships are good. Money can be used for incredible purposes, and it's a tool in our lives. All those things are good, but when we we try to find our identity in them, they ultimately don't fulfill. Paul says in Colossians that they are a shadow of what was really to to come, and that is who God is. We are really searching for the fullness of God. And that's what we're invited into. And because of what Christ has done, His death and His resurrection, we can find our fullness the fullness in Him. We have found the fullness of God. He is all that we need, and that's what we proclaim as Christ followers. And so He is your life. And so let's lean into this treasure that we have. That's what we're invited into. Jesus came to take away the punishment that we deserve, he removed the what we call the law, and I'm going to jump into that. The rules that we think are going to make us okay with God, that we don't like God about, because oh, I didn't, I, I not I didn't follow all the rules. Is he going to strike me with lightning? No. Jesus came to take that away. There's no court in session for all the lawyers here today. There's no box that we have to fit into. There's nothing. No one is keeping score anymore. In Christ, you are free. You are free. And it's about leaning into this treasure that we have in him. And he leads us towards him. He's leading us away from the things, these idols of our heart, that we think will fill us. And suddenly they don't longer control us. We can enjoy things and we learn to lean into who Christ is. And so this is the section that Paul leans to that we're going to lean all into together today. This is found in Colossians 3, starting in verse 5, just in case you're wondering. And so he begins to help us understand what this looks like in our daily lives. So he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So these are the practical things about it. We need to live in Christ. So he says, put to death. Sexual morality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And this is a phenomenal statement. And essentially this list of all these like foundational things are everything that everything around us is pushing us to pursue as our life and identity, where there's greed, you know, these evil desires, impurity, lust, all these things, these desires of our heart. And then he says this phenomenal phrase, these are idols, idolatry. And what's fascinating about this pursuit of God is we walk away from Him because we think that we just want to be free. I don't want God to give me all these rules and, and statements like this. Don't do, right? We don't like that view of God. And so we think, I think, I'm in this group too, that I'm, I'm pursuing my own desires, my own freedom. Give me what I want. And we think we're free. I'm going to pursue my own truth for how I define my life. And we think God is wanting to bind us up and we're free. But if you think about it, you're not. You're not. You're finding another way to try to fill God in the fullness that only He brings. And so you and I, while some of these things do bring great pleasure and joy, but when they become your idol, you can't enjoy that. And you, and, and one argument for the reason that God exists is is you cannot have, you cannot live your life without some identity, without something that says this brings me, meaning this defines me. And so without God, you have to replace it with something. And All we are doing is putting some other thing in place of God. And and Paul, 2,000 years ago, understood this. He says, put off these things, which is idolatry. It's an idol. He says, because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of, and these are the manifestations of those foundational things before. Get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, right? We cut down the other person. We, can, we, we, we cut them off or we own them. We slam them, right? Whatever it is, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. These are things that we begin to do outwardly. You know, it's really funny. If I engage with people in a conversation, I go to parties. I'm a pastor and I love to go to parties, just so you know. And I encourage our church to throw parties because Jesus loved parties, okay? Just so you know. And I'll be at some party and we're just standing around talking and everybody's like, yeah, I'm a financial advisor. Or I'm, for somebody's like, I'm a teacher and all these things. And everybody's just like, being in their normal selves, cursing and everything else. And they're like, Well, what do you do? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm a pastor <laughs> of a church here in Jersey City. And they're like, Whoa, oh, I'm sorry. And like, so, so many times, the first thing people, Oh, I'm sorry, like, because like, they're just dropping F bombs and everything else. And I'm like, It's just, it's fascinating to me. And I just wish they would, uh, but we're, we, we are so, it's, it's a phenomenal, I'm like, Why am I sharing this? Well, we, we're so focused on the outward, right? Look, like, oh, shouldn't have done that. Well, what it really shows us, and this is part of Jesus' teaching. If you look at Jesus' words, he talks about It's just showing us what's deep down in our hearts. You know, you, know you say like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. No, you did. <laughs> I did. Like it came from somewhere. It, it just slipped out. It just slipped out. Now, what's funny is I don't condemn them because I'm not trying to make them be perfect. The, the truth is none of us are. None of us are. And for me to pass judgment is just to be prideful and, and cover up the things that I'm just bearing down. So it's It's fascinating. These are the outward manifestations. and So how, so how do you do this? So we, we, you can't just focus on what you put off. It's key that this next part comes into play. And here he continues. So he says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. This is it. Last week or two weeks ago, we, we, we did Mother's Day stuff last week, but two weeks ago, I had this image, right, of, of clothing and what you put on and how that makes you feel. And so, you know, you get home from work, when you go into the office, maybe you dressed up and you do something, but you put on like you go to a formal event, it makes you feel a certain way. Like you like how that is. Like it gives you a confidence. Or you're going to make a presentation, you put on something and you embody the kind of view and the feeling that you want to have as you give that. But then you get home, and you throw on your sweats, right? Your cozy clothes. We have a joke in our family: stretchy pants. Like we put on our stretchy. It's a it's a line from Nacho Libre, which is an old funny movie. And I don't know why I'm saying all this to you, but the. But like it just like it just gives you this mentality of us when to relax. And so there's that there's a feeling that we have when we clothe ourselves. And this is a beautiful image that Paul is using here. He's put on your new nature. We're, we're shedding these things that lead us to death, and we're putting on our new nature, which is Christ. He says, and be renewed. And this phrase is so key. As you learn to know your creator. And become like Him. It's a process. This is the relationship that we're invited into. To, to follow Christ is not get everything right and then you can follow Him. That's impossible. That's, we, we give away a free book each, each week, first-time guests, called How Good is Good Enough. That's one of the reasons we love giving away, because it engages that conversation. How good can can you be? Did you mess up at all? Does that make you any better? Like like Christ had to come and be the good for us, because he's the only one who could. He's the only one, God in the flesh, who could live a perfect life to be the ultimate sacrifice for us. He came to take death for us, to remove that punishment away. And so now his pursuit of you and I is to become like him. And the only way to do it is to remove the pressure of I, is of am I okay? Every time we do things that betray us when we sin against ourselves or others, we can get up not because of that, not because we're good, but because he is. And you're invited into this relationship. You can always come back to God. And we do this by looking to him, his life. It says, and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's why I always want to point you to Christ. That's why we sing and celebrate him. Because he is who we pursue. He is the fullness of God that we can experience. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. It doesn't mean to be perfect, but it means to be in a relationship where we are renewed. How? Get to know your Creator. Become like Him. You ever heard people talk about married couples who've been married for decades? It's like it's like they're the same person, right? They almost look the same now. Like have you ever heard that comment? Like they just... And that's a picture of Christ. You're just becoming one. Read about Him. We that's why we read Scripture. That's why we pray. Prayer is this relationship. It's an essential part of how we engage. Him. It says, "Be renewed and become like Him." It continues. He says, "In this new life, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised." And they're like, "Why in the world is he saying that?" Well, that was a thing. Like, it was in the Jewish communities, but they are, like, they are coming from this Jewish community that God had given them. And then, and then Jesus comes and it made it clear that this is for everyone. And so they were mixed in these communities, these cultures of what they were called Gentiles, which were non-Jewish believers. And so they have people coming into their communities saying, you have to be circumcised. You have to do this to be okay with God. He's like, no, it doesn't matter. And if we relate this to now, it doesn't matter which culture you come from, which race that you are, what you do or don't do, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, rich or poor. And the beauty of these early churches, they were, they were filled with every one of these type of people. It baffled people, and this, it's the same as true today. It's amazing. He said it doesn't matter about all those things. These are all the labels that we want to put, so we can put a ton of labels, right, that our culture is consumed with, he goes, that doesn't matter. Then he goes on to say this. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat, Republican, or Progressive, or you hate both, or you like where well, you're like, I don't know what I am. All these things like all these labels things that we find our identity in, and you can like politics and be all into that and serve and all those things. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it becomes our identity because we need something to fill us. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. And since God chose you to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves. Here's what we put on. and this is what we long to. This is what it means to be renewed. Clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. All throughout Scriptures, we see things that we put on. If you grew up in church, you probably heard of the fruits of the Spirit. And there's one specific passage we refer to: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness gentleness and self-control, it's not just that list. There's all these traits. Clothe yourselves with tender heart and mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. If you're struggling with something in your life, something that brings condemnation to you, there's some idol, there's some idol that is leading that, whether it's greed or control, or you want comfort or security. And it drives these outward actions of anger, hurt, unforgiveness, lust, anxiety, depression, addiction. I have things that my heart is Prone to. I have hurts from my past, how I was raised and, and challenges that I faced along the way and things that I wish and regrets, things I wish I could go and undo. And, and so there's fear, there's unbelief, there's things that pop up in my heart when I go throughout life and I, I have an idol, I, I want to be secure, I want comfort. The church—it's easy for me as a pastor to be wanted to be successful, and what is something that I define as successful doesn't happen. And if my identity is built on that, I am—I am—I'm broken. Because every identity will eventually fail us. You don't get a promotion. Someone breaks up with you. Some celebrity screws up. We're shocked. Some politician that was your hope didn't make a good decision, that never happens. And it wrecks you, right? Something, so you can put that, you know, you can find, you can say, I'm I'm not going to do that anymore. And you can probably successful in some kind of habit that you're trying to, do, but you'll replace it with some other identity. And so we're learning, but you need something to put on. You're learning to identify what you put off, and because of Christ, you don't, It doesn't have to condemn you. He allows you to look at these things and then say, okay, help me to become like you. You replace it. And you don't focus as much on what you have been doing as much as who he is. Find this trait of Christ, tender heart of mercy, kindness, humility, patience. We're learning to put on these things. We put off the idols of the heart. I got to continue because I'm almost out of time. I'm going to read the rest of this passage and then I'll, and I'll finish. This is, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. We forgive someone who, who offends us because Christ has forgiven us. Um, remember the Lord forgave you. <laughs> I, okay, remember the I'm saying what he says. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds all of us together in perfect harmony. We're always being called to be unified together. And let the peace that comes from Christ Rule in your hearts. And that's what we need. That's what we long for, is for peace to rule, to reign in our hearts. That is the outcome of Christ being your identity. The peace reigns. Last week, parents, I talked about being good parents on Mother's Day. That we discipline our children. We don't punish them. We discipline, which is a view of who they're becoming because we love them. It brings about peace. Peace reigns. And we let Christ rule in our hearts. We let Christ be the boss of our lives. That's what it means to follow Christ. We say, you are mine. I follow you. Now, what are you asking me to do? Because we know that it leads us to peace reigns. And when anxiety reigns in my heart and that happens... I know that I'm walking away from the truths of Christ. I put on Him. He says, For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Then he says this beautiful phrase. This is so, all this is rich. He says, And let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. How do we do this? We put off the idols of our heart And then we put on our new nature. We put on Christ. And we be renewed. Put on the fullness of Christ. Romans 6.14 says this, Sin, because of Christ, sin is no longer your master. See, we thought you think that you can just find freedom. And whatever it is you're pursuing, whether it's immorality, lust, or greed, or position as your identity, or comfort, you're just going to stream your heart out, right? Just bury all the pain that you have, everything that that drives these outward. Sin is no longer best. We we thought we were free, and it has led us to be angry. Because of Christ, this no longer has to rule you anymore, control you, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Keller talked about this so much, about being under the law, under the law. If you're a very religious person, you want to be obedient to God. You're trying to fill all the rules and be really good. You're trying to keep the requirements of the law, like the Ten Commandments. That's what the Jewish culture of the time was trying to do. You can't do it. It will rule you because you can't. So you either got to be really prideful and really cocky because you got to act like you've got it all together. you got to cover things up or you're devastated because you can't do it and you break the rules. I lean to be towards the devastated person because <laughs> I screw up. And I'm a pastor. And I can't do that. I'm under the law. But you'd be like, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to do anything about the rules. And so what you're doing, though, is you're chasing your freedom, right? Your thing that you thought would fill you up. And it's doing the same to you on both sides. You run away from God and pursue your own thing. Whatever you've decided your identity to be is running your life. You are what Paul talks to being under the law if, I, if we think something other than Christ is your salvation, if I just work hard enough, make enough money, if I'm beautiful, if I'm good-looking, if I'm fit, if I'm a really good person, then I'll be okay. You'll never, there's some things that you'll never be able to resist. You will sin, you will hurt others because that identity is everything for People, you you look at people and say, "How do they do that? How do they hurt, or how do they lie? Like, how do they they turn in this person? Because if they didn't do those things, they would lose their identity. You are not free, but that's why we put on Christ. Theoretically, in Christ, we never have to sin again because He's our identity. But we we, we, we forget and we go back to whatever it is. And that's why we have this process of a relationship with him. And that's what Paul is putting, pointing us to when he says, let the message about Christ in all its richness, like a, like a rich chocolate cake that just is amazing. It's just like the, the fullness of God. Let, let God in all his richness fill your life. You can't do it on your own. But if you are in Christ, sin no longer has to be your master. He is the only one that gives you the tools to walk away. And so we put on our new nature and be renewed. Clothe yourselves with Christ. And this is why we engage in community. We have others around us to help us engage in a relationship. You were invited. If you are new to who God is, I encourage you to keep taking steps and engaging and ask your questions. If you're a Christ follower, this is how we engage with our lives. You were invited to back into this richness, this fullness of Christ. I pray that you will experience that this year in your own heart. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you for your words to us. God, we thank you for these truths of freedom. I pray today that these words, over time, over time, will sink deep into our hearts. That when our hearts say, that, I don't believe this is true, and we just want to run to these other things, I pray that we would learn to trust you. That we wouldn't be condemned. but we would be renewed. And that peace would reign in our hearts, no matter the circumstances, that baffles the world and us in our hearts. I pray that we would experience peace that reigns, even in trouble. Father, we love you. We thank you for these words. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.